Welcome back to another episode of The Scorer's Table. I'm William Robbins, joined, as always, by Julian McKee. What is good, Scorer's Hive? Your, your boy is back. I'm, I'm here, you know what I'm saying? I'm spending the weekend in Massachusetts with my parents. They're giving me, they just, I just came back from a belated birthday dinner. I'm sad, I'm very sad I'm away from New York this weekend because I was planning on going down on Coney, I going, I almost said going down on Coney Island. Pause. Yeah, that's Whoa. very, very, very different meaning. <laughs> very different. Going down to Coney Island this morning for a beautiful walk on the beach. I hope the weather is nice on Monday so I can do that. Um, But anyway... As always, I'm happy I'm with my guy right now about to talk some hoops. You know yeah. the vibes. Oh, by the way, real quick, Will, this was this was what I'm saying. I want to give my I want to give a shout out to my guy at the old mill. Um I was approached by a very nice uh young man who was bussing tables. He said, Julian, yo, I fuck with the podcast. All right. Nice. Hey, thank you. Hey, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Score is hive. We are here, live in demand. Getting recognition from the fans is is that that that's the shit that keeps us going. So that, thank you that's so awesome. much. You know what I'm saying? We're gonna have a fantastic episode in the works for you. Yes. With, what do All we right. have on the agenda for today? Oh, so this first topic is one that this is one that I've wanted to do for a long time, but I was waiting for the perfect moment. It's I was been waiting. Brewing. What's that? It's been brewing. <laughs> Yeah, this is something where uh, we, we've all known this is coming. Of course, we're talking about the Boston Celtics. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm a diehard Celtics fan. I could talk about the Celtics for every single podcast. But that's not, that's not a lot of variety, so I'm not going to do that. But today, mm-hmm. with the way Jason Tatum has been playing, it's time. So, Julian... As a non-Celtics fan, so we can get, like, the more unbiased opinion first, <laughs> tell me why Jason Tatum is not the front runner for MVP right now. Whoa! <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Well, here's I'm kidding. Thing. I, I will tell you this is a Celtics fan, Will Robbins, and to all the scores, Hive. Man, I've enjoyed watching the Celtics this year, and I enjoy watching the Celtics in general, because Tommy Heinsohn is is absolutely hilarious. I love... Amazing. I, I love the Celtics booth in general, and they're just a fun team to watch, especially because uh, especially because of the last few years, there's fun characters like Terry Rozier that I can talk to Will about on the regular, and for those who don't know, like, the scores table really happens every single day in our lives. Me and Will are constantly texting about basketball. It's, it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. It's, Ridiculous. We're constantly texting about Hassan Whiteside or making fun of Zach Levine or something. Hassan Whiteside called himself Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to the podcast on its own, but it's not. <laughs> we'll get to the Celtics Trailblazers <laughs> game uh, the other day in a, in a minute. Um, but first of all, man, the, the seeing Jason Tatum level up in the last few weeks, and we saw this coming because I remember uh, we were saying uh, when the Celtics beat the Clippers a few weeks back, we were saying, okay, this might this might be the game that we look back on where Jason Tatum leveled up from just being a really good young player to a legitimate NBA star. The word I used was evolved. Yes, and that's exactly what happened. Tatum has been balling, and what he's been what watching him take charge of games, especially in the latter half, with this calmness, stoicness, assertiveness, and just like killerness yeah. that he's exhibited and in addition to him actually taking the ball to the rack on the regular using the size that he has in the in the in the athletic skill set that he has um it's it's been it's been fantastic to watch Tatum's been out of his mind and this is taking the Celtics to a whole new level and I just want to, for, for all disclosure, um, our last podcast, unfortunately, uh, we had some bad audio, so we couldn't release that. But at the yeah. end of the, but at the end of the podcast, I blew Will's mind real quick when I said my surprise prediction of the year is that the Celtics win the East. And, and before, because we had to cut the podcast off because I had to use the bathroom. I was trying to watch the Democratic debates. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I got Bernie Sanders, but Will was like, whoa. And, well, I feel like you're whoa. You probably still say whoa right now, but that's a lesser whoa than it was last yeah. week. Because yeah, for sure. We're now in the in the position where if the Celtics 
are playing the Raptors in the playoffs, per se. I don't think we can say surely anymore that Pascal Siakam is the best player in that series. Well, I don't think we can say that at all anymore. <clears throat> exactly. And, and that's the same thing. I mean, even though as good as Jimmy Butler is, if the Celtics are playing the Heat, are we sure Jimmy Butler is the best, is, is, is the very best player in that series, the way Tatum is playing? And we still have to right see. Right now, absolutely not. And that's, we, and that's what's crazy. We got to so, see if Tatum sustains it. But, yeah. I mean, I, I will. I gotta, we, gotta, we all got to hear your opinion as the diehard Celtics fan on this podcast. But, shit, it's crazy. Tatum's, so, Tatum's doing his thing. This is the best analogy I can I can think. The other night, I believe which which game was it? Let me quickly look through. It was um it was the game it was the game against uh against the Lakers. Okay. Where he's going back and forth with LeBron. Kemba's been out this since the All-Star break, which I don't even want to get started on because I'm so upset about how this has all been handled. Mm-hmm. But there was a moment where Tatum hit a three-pointer, and outside I heard an ambulance go by, and I genuinely questioned if that was for me. Because <laughs> I think I was having a heart attack in that moment. The way Tatum's been playing... So, so this year, Tatum... And there's very few times in NBA history where this happens. Yeah, I, think of, I think of Anthony Davis. I guess I... Actually, I don't even really know who else I'd think about this for, but these guys that just evolve mid-season, where at the beginning, because at the beginning of the season, I didn't even pick Tatum as an all-star. Like, as recently as, like, two months ago, I said that I would have put Jalen Brown over him. And at the time, that was a defensible position. Mm -hmm. And it's just the way he's evolved. So at the beginning of the year... His shot selection was relatively similar to what it is now, but he was really struggling inside. He wasn't hitting his layups, and that was kind of putting too much pressure on his three-point shot, and it was just a mess. So he was taking the right shot. They just weren't going in. Now they're going in. He's figured out how to use his length, but here's the single most important stat, Julian, I can tell you about why he's playing this well. This season— Jason Tatum currently has the best three-point percentage for unassisted three-pointers. Hmm. He's shooting almost 42%. The next highest is Lillard at 40. Wow. I would like to—I'm going to give you one guess at number three. Harden? Nope. Zach Levine. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> Not where you thought that was going. The same guy yelling at his coach. He was like, ah, man, fuck you. I scored 40 points the other day. <laughs> I can't wait for Zach Levine to request a trade in the offseason, and then no one tries to trade for Zach Levine. <laughs> it's a fact. Actually, maybe maybe Vlade. Um, like Minnesota? For Zach Levine? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> hey, Vlade did try to sign him to, to that four-year $80 million, I believe it was. Yeah, but- go- Guard packs out Kangs to them somehow. Yeah, honestly. So, but but the thing with Tatum, his shooting is going to come back to normal. Since I mean, he's not he's not going to keep shooting like sixty percent from three point as he has since the All Star break. But mm-hmm. what's really amazing is that he's got this confidence about him that we haven't seen really since he dunked on LeBron two years ago. Mm-hmm. That was the pinnacle. Of his, of his confidence, and last year was just a mess. Did you hear, I'm not sure if you, Jackie McMullen was on a Brian Windhorst podcast recently, and she had a very interesting uh, observation about the Celtics that I didn't realize. So last year, Tatum's two closest friends on the team were Kyrie and Marcus Morris. That's, that's exactly the friend group I would stay away from. Yeah, so that's kind <laughs> of what... So, it makes a lot of sense why he was really struggling throughout the year because the two guys he was leaning on most were the two guys that I don't I don't I don't necessarily want to I don't necessarily want to say were part of most of the dysfunction but certainly two very big personalities. Let's just say one is an arrogant ball stopper and the other is a weirdo who thinks the earth is flat. So he was those guys, and he's not around those guys anymore. 
Yeah. That's the best, that's the best way to put it, Will. But the way Tatum has been playing and the decisions he's been making, because he's been getting double teamed now. He's been making smart passes out of the double team. His assist numbers aren't up, but when you're passing out of the double team, it's more just you're looking more for hockey assist kind, kind mm-hmm. of. And I, I don't have the stat in front of me, but I feel like he's got to be a decent amount of those. But the way he's been playing, the way Jalen Brown, and it's very, very easy to overlook how Jalen Brown's been playing. He's been out of his mind this year. Mm-hmm. He's also over, I think he, I think he's at 21 points a game, shooting well from three, rebounding, and most importantly, he's really, him and Marcus have been the anchor of our defense. And this is a team where if I had told you that we were going to lose Al Horford and we'd rank Fourth in the NBA in offense, or sorry, in defense. Would you believe that? I mean, if I knew Al Horford was washed, I wouldn't. Well, <laughs> we didn't know that at the time. I believe it more, but <laughs> we didn't know that now. But I look up and down the Celtics roster, and and I'll and I'll let you uh, cut cut me off in a minute here. But I look up and down the Celtics roster. Daniel Tice playing his playing his mind out one of the seriously the most underrated guys in the league. There was a few stretches in the Lakers game in particular where LeBron got Tice in a switch. And, and you know, he's licking his lips. He's like, ah, it's Festus Azili, barbecue chicken, you know? <laughs> and then Tice just stays with him. And LeBron, I mean, LeBron makes shots because he's LeBron, but LeBron was like running back like, oh, that's not a mismatch. Mm-hmm. And... The Celtics just have this lineup of guys, and I mean, if you if you go on Twitter, you'd be thinking Gordon Hayward's having a god awful year. But you look at his stats, and he's still averaging 17 points, seven rebounds, five assists. He's shooting 50 percent from the field, 38 percent from three point, and four and uh, sorry, 86 percent from three point. Or sorry, from free throw. He's mm-hmm. almost 50, 40, 90. And he's averaging 17, 6, and 5. And the, and the crazy thing with the Celtics, and I, and I texted this take to Will earlier this week, is that, you know, people always talk about, oh, the Clippers got a big 2. The Nets are going to have a big 2 next year. So-and-so has got a big 3. All that stuff. What people don't understand and people aren't saying is that if Kemba can come back soon and join this team, and Jalen, Kemba, and Tatum are all out there at the same time, and the Celtics have a big three. Yeah. The Celtics legitimately have a big three, and and an, and an overqualified fourth man. Exactly, and an over and you got Marcus Smart as your fifth man. You've got Daniel Tice looking like an Irish drug dealer is is your <laughs> sixth seventh man. You've got Brad Wanamaker, and I and I don't love the and I, and I still don't love Wanamaker in a playoff series. No, I mean, I, do I, but. Yeah, I don't like him, but I'd still rather have him than Corey Joseph, who's making... So, can, can I tell you two stats about Brad Wanamaker? <laughs> okay. Brad Wanamaker, number one, is the NBA leader in free throw percentage right now. That's nice. That's nice. Number two, Brad Wanamaker is the NBA leader in catch-and-shoot three-point percentage. Really? Yeah. That's weird. I didn't know that was a thing. Neither did I. Well then, like, shouldn't the Celtics now, like make more use of that stat? Like, when the f- how how many catch and shoot threes has he taken? I mean, he's he's only he's only how many threes is he attempting a game? He's averaging about two threes a game. I don't I wouldn't take advantage of that that stat. I think that the minimal minutes for him is better. But 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 yeah, he's certainly he's certainly been capable. There are a few games like like the Lakers game, for instance, where it's you look at the stat sheet and you're like, Brad Wanamaker played how much? Mm-hmm. But with Kemba out right now, Marcus is going to take most of those minutes because Kemba is going to slide into his normal 33 minutes a game role. And the thing I love about the Celtics uh, is that is that we always say, oh, you need eight guys to contend for a championship, especially in the later rounds of the playoffs. I don't know if the Celtics have eight guys. I think the Celtics actually have more than eight guys, except they have like they, the Celtics have like seven concrete guys. But their eighth guy kind of varies game to game. It could be Romeo Langford coming out there, maybe He's giving a good, but really good defense. Grant Williams can do some things as a small ball center. Ojale can do some things for you in the right matchup against someone uh, like Ifika Zubak or a center who's not <laughs> particularly athletic. My boy Enos Cantor, looking like a ripped Borat, can but do some things here, for you. And then you've got Will, the greatest nickname in sports. <laughs> I'll let you say it. 
So for those of you who don't know, <laughs> fourth string center on the Celtics, Vincent Poulier, has two nicknames. Number one, Le Grand Baguette. And number two, the current best nickname in the entirety of North American sports, Vincent Sex Pants Poirier. <laughs> Why is his nickname Sex Pants? Couldn't tell you, but that's his nickname. I don't know. In they that warrants respect. They might have nicknamed him after watching you watch the Clippers Celtics with Tatum. <laughs> <laughs> but but Julie, but here but in all seriousness, here's the biggest wild card for the Celtics. Robert Williams is back next game. Yeah, that's I mean wild card is very wild. I mean he is <laughs> him. He's someone a big problem for the Celtics this year has been in games like against against like the Lakers, for instance, with with Anthony Davis or against the Rockets or the Raptors or just someone where Ennis Cantor is completely unplayable. Daniel Tice has been having to play like 36 minutes a game. Having someone that can actually guard a pick and roll against these teams is going to be huge. Hmm. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. That was a lot of Celtics talk. The point is with all the Celtics talk, because <laughs> I could do a whole podcast on the Celtics, obviously. Fact. They have a completely different ceiling with this version of Jason Tatum, mm-hmm. and so all right, so 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 Julian, this is my last point about the Celtics, and then I'm gonna and then I'm gonna then we'll move on to the next topic. Here are three stats about Tatum. Number one, he's only 21 years old. He's only getting better, and he's already the best player on the second best team in the East. His average is over the last, this is stat number two, over his last five games, 33 points, 36 points, 41 points, 28 points, 39 points, but also he's averaging almost 10 rebounds a game. He's he's allowing them, between him and Jalen Brown, to be an ultra small ball center Mm -hmm. and create like a Houston Rockets light offense. And stat number three, he was drafted after Lonzo Ball. <laughs> Next topic. <laughs> <laughs> Next topic. Speaking of Lonzo Ball, the New Orleans Pelicans, who get a pass on the Lonzo Ball jokes because they didn't actually draft Lonzo. Do you think? Do you think, do you think the Lakers were like watching that game where Tatum scored forty-one against them, and he was, they were like, "Huh, we took Lonzo." I mean, honestly, no, because they got Anthony Davis. I mean, yeah, and and, and at the time of that trade, I think that Lo- I mean, at, at the time of the draft, Lonzo was the concrete number two pick. No, he wasn't. Yes, he was. Not in my book. I mean, your book was different than a lot of people. There's very few people whose books it okay. was. Well, everybody thought I- it was Markel, Lonzo, then Tatum, and whoever the fuck else. Okay, well, my my opinion about the 2017 NBA draft, and I will scream this from the rooftops because it is the most right I've ever been about any two prospects ever, like ever, was why the hell would anyone draft Lonzo and Josh Jackson? <laughs> it is the most right I've Josh ever Jackson. been about any topic. <laughs> I was with you on Josh Jackson. <laughs> But do you, I remember? Do you remember when, when when Josh Jackson refused to work out for the Celtics? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, pretty yeah. sure I texted you and I and I sent you the article and I wrote, "Thank God." Yeah, you canceled him. I was out out on Jackson and I was out on Lonzo too. But regardless, let's get to New Orleans Pelicans who are kind of riding a hot streak and Zion might already be a top twenty guy in the league. Okay, whoa, 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 that's 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 premature. That's premature. No, Zion not. hasn't played. How many games has Zion played in the NBA? Uh, Zion has played thirteen games, but do you know what he's averaging in those thirteen games? Uh, no, I don't. About twenty-four and seven. Yeah, he's uh, Zion's fantastic. He's a star, but I, I let's let's not say he's a top twenty guy already. I'm sorry, I'm I'm a ra- I feel like I'm a rational person. I need more than thirteen games. As fantastic as he's been. So if you were going into a playoff series, would you rather have him or Devin Booker? 100% Zion. Him or Bradley Beal? Right now? Right this second. 
kind of want to say Beal. I want to say Beal. I'm going to say Beal. Beal has been there before. I'm sorry. The playoffs are a different animal for, I think, everybody. I think Zion's probably going to struggle in his first playoff game or two. He's a human being. He's a spectacular human being. He's a, a legit NBA star after 13 games, but I don't want to. I, I don't want to act like he's going to just take the world by storm, even in the playoffs. I mean, I'm sorry. Wow, I did not expect this conversation. Okay, Bradley Beal is still a really good basketball player. He's like put up 50 a few times this year. I mean, I I know that like Isaac Bonga and Jan Mahimi are also playing heavy minutes against uh, alongside him, and I don't really know. Who so, else, so what, watching who else Zion, shooting on the Wizards, but like watching Zion, what's holding you back? There's nothing holding me back. It's common sense. I mean, I'm I disagree. Sorry, I'm say, I, 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 I'm, I refuse to just get taken away, like just like like I'm like I'm attached to like a hot air balloon with Zion. I'm so I'm I'm just trying to be logical here. As fantastic as he is, I mean, it, 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 it it's just it's just different. I think. Okay. Well, a really good basketball player. He's a really good basketball player. All right. Well, from my from, okay. So from my perspective, there are very few players I would rather have in the NBA. If I was actually going to draft players I want for the playoffs, Zion might even make the top fifteen. He well, yeah. is the biggest matchup problem in the league. You watch that. You watch that uh, New Orleans versus the Lakers game. Anthony Davis was having trouble staying with him. He is the heaviest player in the league. He move he moves like or he, he jumps like uh, Gerald Green at, in high school. I'm still reeling from that rebound he got over Dwight. That rebound was insane. That was ridiculous. I don't even know what that was. But, but every everyone talks about this, but it's worth bringing up. His second jump is absolutely incredible. He he shoots the ball. He gets his own rebound. That jump after he comes down with his rebound is lightning quick. He gets back up so quick. And this is a skill that kind of Draymond Green actually had earlier in that he can block a shot and get the rebound, which sounds easy to do, but it's not because it's really hard to jump really high twice in a row. Mm -hmm. But he's got it better than anyone maybe I've ever seen. It's just... There was a stretch at the be- and, and during the first few games of his career when he, where he was rebounding 50% of his own misses. This is ridiculous. So he was shooting near the hoop and getting his own rebound immediately. That's really hard. Of course. Now, my only thing with Zion is that and I, and I'm sure and I'm sure you would agree defense is not there yet. He He's got the physical tools, and that's helping him a lot. But there's a lot of him kind of looking around on defense. He gets lost a lot. Uh, if, if 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 let's say let's say I keep going back to that that Lakers game, but that was just such a good game. Mm-hmm. Let's say the Lakers ran more than like three or like two screens in a possession with him in it, then he'd start to struggle. Mm-hmm. He's able to he's able to overcome a lot with it just because of how freaking athletic he is. But the defense needs to come around. That being said, the offense is terrifying. He's just, he's a phenomenal passer. He's an incredible offensive rebounder. And absolutely no one is stopping him once he gets that full head of steam. Which, by the way, he picks up that full head of steam faster than anyone. He can catch the ball on the elbow, and he's already going full speed to the basket. Uh, you know, obviously, I don't disagree with any of that stuff, and I think with the defense, I think that's just gonna that's just gonna come along. I mean, that, this is, that'll that'll come that'll come as he learns. This is his 13th game in the 13th game in the NBA. His shot is better than it was in college. He's clearly a hard worker. We already know that. Good kid. He's gonna figure that out. I don't think that's really anybody's concern right now. And I and you know he's he's he he's a man among boys, as corny as that sounds. I mean. I mean, I mean, he's ridiculous. He's he's must see TV on 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 a nightly basis, and I think that yep. you know the 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 concern with him, at least my concern, is that I'm just with Jaw as well with some of the drives he takes to the hoop, um, is is injury. I think that you know I don't want to. It's kick. I, I still I'm still kind of terrified of him playing over 30 minutes in a game. Like 
like I, I like good have him out there. He needs the experience as any rookie would. But I mean, if if it's a if if it's a blowout in the fourth quarter, I think you 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 have to take him out. Just, I mean, yeah, yeah. Just to I be wouldn't. extra careful. I mean, if I'm if I'm Alvin Gentry, I'm not playing him any extra minutes that I, that I need to. But it raises so so moving on from Zion into the race, kind of for the for the eighth seed in the West. Who do you personally want to see get that eighth seed out of Memphis, Portland, the Pelicans, and the Spurs? And I guess actually technically the Kings and the Suns too, but they're not making it. Yeah, there's there's no way. Um, I personally. As much as I would love to see the the, the Clippers, I mean, excuse me, the Spurs playoff streak go on. Um, I hate watching them play. I can't do it. I don't. I don't watch them play. So I. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, at, I'm at a point in my life where I'm just like, would I rather watch the Spurs play or watch like the season finale of Narcos? Oh my god. Um, and I'm going I'm going I'm saying Miguel Angel Felix Gallardo, my man Diego Luna, people getting thrown off bridges and crazy shit. I'm going for narcos every day of the week. Anyway, um uh <laughs> anyway, like my thing with uh when I think about it, the thing is like there's there's something extremely poetic about if the Lakers are the number one seed and the Pelicans are going against them in the first round. I mean the fact that those teams made the trade in the off season Zion the LeBron parallel is like it's it's kind of like a fucking movie honestly but um i as far as entertaining first round series i want to be entertained as a human being i kind of want to see portland get in there whoa and okay because because here's the thing the Pelicans are going to be a, around for a damn long time, as long as Zion stays healthy, as long as Brandon Ingram, who's still kind of underrated this year, how good he's been. Um, is for, and you still got Drew Holiday there, whatever the fuck Josh Hart and Lonzo Ball are. You know what I'm saying? Nicolo Melli has been fantastic, shot the lights out ever since the new year. Um, the, the, the Pelicans are going to be here for a minute. Same thing with the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies, I think, seem to be cooling off a little bit. Um, I hope there's such a great story. I hope they can make the playoffs. But personally, the, the Blazers are such kind of a, a shit show, but still kind of fun to watch. And they they can't stop the, the, the Blazers can't stop an AAU team on defense. God, no. But I mean, Lillard, the hot streaks that he's had this year, still got McCollum. You've got the the, the stat chasing of Whiteside. You've got Carmelo. I mean, the Portland's still a fun team. What do you think, Will? I mean, I want to. I want to see Zion. Okay. I want to see playoff Zion. I'm not going to overcomplicate it. I I really like the Blazers. I'm a huge Terry Stotts fan, but I just playoff Zion. I mean, come on. You don't think I? I think that I kind of want to see if Lillard is in this still type of still kind of rare form that he's shown this year, man. I want to see that against the. I want to see that against the Lakers. I think this weird Portland team, who's really just gonna try to outscore you. I kind of like them. I kind of out of in, in, someone who wants to see an entertaining series. I kind of like the matchup against the Lakers. Huh. Okay. I mean, I don't they don't really have anyone that can guard a point guard, obviously. But exactly. I don't and know. I mean, I just. I, I really feel like playoff Zion, it just might be fun. They don't have anyone that can guard LeBron, but no one can guard LeBron. I just, speaking of Tatum, everything coming up Danny Ainge. It looks like that Memphis pick might be valuable. Mm-hmm. So they're currently two games up on Portland, three games up on New Orleans, but they don't have Jaron Jackson Jr. or Brandon Clark for a while. On Matt, top Matt. of that... They have the hardest strength of schedule remaining in the league and for the rest of the, the season. That 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 equation right there hurts a ton, obviously. And I believe they're on a four-game losing streak since Jaron Jackson went out. They this pick might be valuable, and it's incredible. Anyway, <laughs> that was let's triple move on to another team. Honestly, one last thing, like Jay yeah. Crowder. 
I, I made fun of them getting rid of uh, Jay Crowder. Like, that was such a big loss um, before the trade deadline. But now with Jackson out, that hurts a lot more. However, Will, as you were about to say, we got more topics to get to. Are we going Sixers next? We are going Sixers next. <laughs> oh, boy. Let, let's, let's start off. I mean, there's only one way we can really start this off. Glenn Robinson the third, because when everyone thinks of when everyone thinks of the Sixers, they think of Glenn Robinson the third. But this is what Glenn Robinson recently said in an interview. My role was never really explained upon arriving in Philly, and he also went along to say, "Why would you trade for a guy if you don't have a role for him?" All's good in Philly. <laughs> in addition, Al Horford got moved to the bench. Ben Simmons. Oh, and I will get to Ben Simmons in a minute. He's out for a while. Joel Embiid looks like he's going to be out for a while. They are going nowhere but down. Their roster is just a mess. I picked them to make the finals because I like their defense so much. I'm not going to back away from that pick if everyone gets healthy. But, wow. Will, I'm giving you an out right now. You, Will, this is like... (laughs) The tie. I feel like I feel like currently, I'm not gonna say the Titanic is sinking, but someone just like took a shotgun and like shot yeah. them in the fucking hole. Will, if I'm gonna give you a, a an out right now, I'm gonna say maybe this is even a one time out. Will, you can jump off the Sixers bandwagon right now and never have it held against you. What are you gonna do? I already used my get out of jail free pass on my John Morant prediction. Um, I'm st- I'm stuck in the Sixers. Look here, as as Al Davis said, Al Davis, the legendary football coach, bad lines don't travel. What does that mean in football? If you have a bad offensive line, it's not going to travel well, and you're going to get killed on the road. I thought he was talking about cocaine. <laughs> you know what? He actually might have been. But <laughs> but going a little further on that quote. It means that if you're not good on the road, you're never going to be good. Mm-hmm. And that's my biggest concern with Philly. They're 9-21 and 21 on the road. Now, they have, I believe, the best home record. Yeah, they have the best home record in the entire NBA. They're 28-2 at home. But they just – look, I if everyone gets healthy, I'm not going to pick against them. But right now it's tough. They they beat the Knicks last game. Everyone beats the Knicks. I should I, should I let let's talk about Ben Simmons because that's obviously the most important thing with Philly right now. Mm-hmm. He's going to be out a few weeks with back issues. Julian, are back issues an easily healable thing? No. So if the so if the Red Sox trade the best the, the second best player in baseball for Alex Verdugo who has back issues is that a, is that a problem? <laughs> oh, sorry, this is not a baseball I can't podcast. That. <laughs> Alex Verdugo is already the most hated man in Boston. It's just amazing. Oh man, it's a fact. I, I was actually I was listening to a Red Sox podcast and they, and it asked um. It, it, one of the questions of the host was, uh, what would Alex Verdugo have to do to not be the most hated man in Boston? It was like, well, there's three things he can do. Number one, he can get traded back for Mookie Betts. Number two, he can break the home run record, win a World Series, and then request a trade and get traded for Mookie Betts. Or number three, he can become Mookie Betts. If Alex Verdugo cured the coronavirus, Boston people still like, ah, fucking asshole. Ah, Mookie would have done it quicker. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, <I'm> fucking dead. <laughs> Yo. That was so bad. <laughs> All right, what were you saying? Oh, Sixers, Sixers, Sixers. So I, I heard a I heard a stat the other day where the the Sixers away record is on the same level as the Knicks, the Warriors, and the Cavs. And I I completely agree with you um about Al Davis and and just looking at some of the last games that the Sixers have lost, the Cavs loss 
I know Embiid was out early. I know Simmons was out early. But this is the type of time when if you're Elton Brand, not if you're Elton Brand, if you're a fan and you see Elton Brand is running the Sixers, it's like, bro, you gave Tobias Harris $140 million and, like, this is what's happening? Yeah. Josh Richardson, I really like Josh Richardson. But he's he he's just had a weird role this year. And I think that he's, he's kind of struggled to adjust. And... And for me, watching the Sixers Bucks game, I know this it, it feels like old news. This shit was like this this yeah. shit was like a week ago. But yeah, um, that's crazy. And, and, but and Embiid put up you know a, a solid seventeen and eleven. Simmons only lasted five minutes before he got hurt. But man, they got slapped around. They got straight up punked. Yeah, I, I said punked. Who the fuck says punked? But but no, Giannis, but they did. Giannis took it to him. Chris Middleton, your boy, Will, he took it to him. The Sixers got straight up embarrassed. Like the Bucks just like just like ate ate them ate them out. Whoa, man! Second time saying that on the podcast. Whoa. <laughs> I was I was I was on Twitter yesterday and I saw a tweet and it was like, who is the one player in NBA history that that you're that if you're no wait no the tweet was your team is down one. There's four seconds left. Who is the who is the one person in NBA history that you're most afraid of? Chris Middleton. That was the first name that came to my mind. Jeff Green. Honestly, um, <laughs> no. All the respond all the all the answers were like Michael Jordan. Obviously, I'm like the answer is obviously Chris Middleton. Living fact, but I think. But- if- <laughs> the, the, the anyway, crazy- sorry. Back to the Sixers. Nah, like the crazy thing is going forward, like. I just don't really know what the options are, and I think that you gotta you gotta look at this. At this point, I feel like it's corny to say, "Oh, Britt Brown, Britt Brown," but and and, and shit. I was I was one of the people this offseason who was like, "I mean, we really keeping Brett Brown around another year?" I mean, I understand the Sixers yeah, were I mean, one shot away from. I know they were one shot away from the Eastern Conference Finals. I know, I know, I know, I know. But like, I just I just don't love him as a coach and. I know it's the middle of the season, but if Brett Brown got fired right now, I know it's I know I know well I know the regular season's almost over, but if Brett Brown got fired right now and the Sixers put like an assistant in charge, the Sixers need something right now. They need something that's a kick in the ass. They need something. I don't know what the fuck it is, but someone needs to light a fire under them in some way, shape, or form. And Right now, the I I I have absolutely no idea what the hell that can be. And the and the Sixers are looking at an interesting stretch. They've got the Clippers, they got the Lakers, they got the Kings. They've got if if Steph Curry is all of a sudden coming back or something, they got the Warriors on uh, March seventh. Then it's Pistons. He will be. Pistons is fucking easy. Pacers, Wizards is easy. But then Raptors. The Sixers' schedule is not a bunch of cupcakes. The next no. few weeks. and as a team that's the sixth seed, I mean, or or the fifth seed or whatever, but it, it looks like the Sixers could really fall to the sixth seed and the Pacers move up a level. So, um, we got we got one last topic to get to. I'm not gonna yeah, hold but, you, but like let man. me let me just say one last thing about the Sixers before we move on. Mm-hmm. My biggest concern with them truly is just Ben Simmons. This okay. is a guy who. For as much wrong as he does on offense, he's someone you want in the game with a minute left because he is probably second in the league right now in DPOI. Mm-hmm. This is a guy. What's that? Fantastic defender. Yeah, I mean he's leading the league in steals. He's just he makes things happen. He's incredibly disruptive. I think he's also leading the the league in tipped passes. Mm. But he's disruptive and back issues are not something that go away in two weeks. Now, I'm not a professional athlete. I'm not pretending to be. But I've had but I've had back issues my whole life. They don't go away. I've been mm-hmm. in physical therapy. It doesn't go away. You always have back issues. So scoliosis is a bitch. I still have that. It's a fact. Oh, really? Yeah, I never, I, I never had that, but I heard that's bad, too. That shit is awful. Yeah, that's a fact. But back issues are not... Back issues, honestly, are more scary to me than, like, a sprained ankle. Mm-hmm. 
because that'll heal. Actually, maybe sprains are actually sometimes bad because the muscle or the tendon never fully heals. Sorry, ligament. Jeez, ligament never fully heals from that. But back issues are scary, and for someone that relies so heavily on athleticism, it's a scary thing. I agree with that. And I don't know what happens next for them. I don't know what happens with their front office and head coach. I think I'm not. I don't. I don't like advocating for anyone to lose their job, but it's a. It's. It's been a while, and it might be time for a change. Because I think you need to exhaust every possible avenue before you even consider trading Embiid and Sim, Embiid or Simmons. Mm-hmm. One of the one of the things that that the Sixers have to make sure they do is you cannot make a you, you cannot compound a bad move by making another bad move to get out of the first bad move. Like the Red Sox having to trade Mookie Betts because they paid Nathan Avalde. Mhm. That's not good. Where you have to make a bad move to make up for another bad move. So the Sixers really should not be looking to trade Simmons or Embiid to make up for an Al Horford contract or a Tobias mm-hmm. Harris contract. They have to explore other avenues. And I think that that requires a change in the offseason. I'm still wor- scared, terrified of them in the playoffs. Embiid is a maniac. And B- uh, Simmons is a fantastic defender if he's healthy. But right now, things are not going well. And if I was a Sixers fan, I'd be freaking out. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Uh, on to the last topic. The Utah Jazz, who surprisingly are 36 and 22. Doesn't feel like they're doing that well. This team is... Well, they haven't been. They lost four in a row. Yeah. <laughs> well, Mike Conley's been a shell of himself. This team does not operate like a Quinn Snyder coach team. A Quinn Snyder coach team is a lot of ball movement, a lot of passing, very meticulous defense. They don't kill themselves. This has not been a typical Quinn Snyder coach team. This Utah Jazz team... Reminds me of last year's Celtics team. Mm, I like that comparison. It's because I think Quinn Snyder and Brad Stevens are very similar coaches. In let me rephrase that because they're polar opposite people. They're similar in their in how their teams operate. Obviously, Quinn Snyder is, would would wouldn't shock you if he ripped a person's head off, but. You know, Brad Stevens got a technical in that Lakers game for saying, and I quote, what was that? That's ridiculous. What? Damn. And it wasn't just like a second quarter technical. It was 15 seconds left. That's bullshit. That's crazy. Oh, there was a bunch of questionable offici- officiating, though. At the end oh, of yeah. That. I purposely have avoided that topic because <laughs> I feel like the NBA would find me. <laughs> and I'm just here so I don't get fined. Now, the Utah Jazz, they've been struggling. They put out a report. Hey, we're moving Mike Conley to the bench and starting Royce O'Neal. I thought that was a great move Mm -hmm. because in the games that Conley has missed this year, they've looked a lot better. Mm -hmm. Instead, they decide several hours later, "Ah, just kidding. Let's actually move Joe Ingles to the bench. Not a fan of that move. Julian, tell me about the Utah Jazz. Well, here's the th- here's the thing I'm gonna re- I'm gonna say about the Utah Jazz first. In his last three games, Donovan Mitchell, 31 points against the Rockets, 38 against the Suns, 37 against the Celtics. Mitchell's been kind of all over the place this year. He's been incredibly inefficient some nights. He's looked like a young Dwayne Wade other nights. He's still only six. Uh, he's still only 23, 6'1 with a 6'10 wingspan, which is just ridiculous. Mitchell is a young star who's getting better, and and, and and bringing this full circle, everybody before the season, the Jazz were everybody's favorite sleeper pick to win the title, and you know what? Well, I'm feeling great that I was on the right side of history with this team. The problem with the Jazz is that, I, and I saw, I don't want to, I, I want to pay, uh, pay tribute to this, I think Zach Lowe said this. He said that the Jazz don't know who they are. They don't have That's an correct. identity. And I think I and, and, and I could not have said that any better myself. Quinn Snyder coach teams more often than not pride themselves on their defense. Yep. The Jazz defense hasn't really been there this year, which doesn't make sense because 
despite being washed, Michael Mike Conley's still a capable defender. A lot of the uh, a lot of the same guys from last year's team are still here. Uh, Gobert's still doing his thing. Jingle Juice, who hasn't <laughs> been as good this year, uh, still it's a fantastic name. Um, oh, great. Uh, you know, and I've never really been a Royce O'Neal fan, but you know he's he's he, he is what he is. And actually, as of late, Jordan Clarkson has been giving the Jazz a burst, which is why I don't trust them. It, I, <laughs> that's <laughs> I don't trust that. I don't trust anything pertaining to Jordan Clarkson. Um, but uh, you know, but, but shout out to him. He's been balling. Anyway, with the Jazz, I mean. This team is just they they kind of like the Sixers. They need a spark, and I and I don't really know. And and, and you know, going coming back to what Zach Lowe said, they got to pick an identity right now. Mitchell's been playing out of his mind lately, and it seems the offense is kind of just get the ball to him. And yes. I'm not mad at that. However, they've been losing games when that's the when that's the strategy, because the Jazz don't really have. Except for Bogdanovich, they don't really have a second scorer. No, no. Jordan Clarkson's kind of the second scorer on this team. That's a problem. I mean, yeah, a big a big problem for this team is that they were really counting on Mike Conley to be a huge part. Mm-hmm. And on paper, I really like that fit of Conley and Mitchell. But sometimes it just doesn't work out, and mm-hmm. it's so – it's such a – sounds like just like a non-reason, but sometimes basketball just doesn't work out. And I really feel like it's just one of those situations where you can't even be mad at the Jazz for doing it because it – I liked it. Made perfect sense. And that's why I think they should have moved Conley to the bench because in the games that he missed, they were looking like – kind of like the Jazz again. They just looked like the Jazz, who added a 20 points a game scorer in in uh in Bogdanovich. Royce O'Neal is a great defender, and that's and this is a huge problem with their team. They're a good defensive team without good individual defenders. Mm-hmm. Uh, exception obviously is Rudy Gobert, but Joe Ingles is not. I mean, he's not a bad defender. He's slightly above average. But Bogdanovich isn't a good defender. Donovan Mitchell gets overpowered a lot because he's undersized. Mm -hmm. Conley's a good defender, but he's looked like a shell of himself this year. And it's all these guys that want the ball in their hands. It's it's very—this is why I kind of compare it to the Celtics in this your turn, my turn. I want the ball. Now I want the ball. And sometimes you need to have a— Royce O'Neal in the lineup, who's okay going seven straight possessions without touching the ball. Mm-hmm. A guy that knows his role. Exactly. And a guy that won't screw up on defense. Mm-hmm. And those kind of guys are tough to find. It, it's like when the Clippers traded for Marcus Morris, and they were like, oh, he's a good 3 and D, but Marcus Morris doesn't know he's a 3 and D. Part of being a 3 and D player is knowing you're a 3 and D player. And Royce O'Neal knows. And that's why I liked them adding him over Conley. It gave the ball back to Mitchell. It it, it just made their whole team flow better. I think that he, Conley should be coming off the bench. Money-wise, I get why they don't want to, but they really should. I'm not optimistic about them for the rest of the year, especially in the games against Houston they've had recently where Houston has just destroyed them. Houston sunned them. And I have to say one thing, like Rudy Gobert, Still one of the the best defensive players in the league, but bruh, who's the tallest player on the Rockets right now who gets minutes? PJ Tucker, Daniel House. PJ Tucker's like six foot six. Who the fuck is the tallest player on the Rockets getting minutes? And Rudy Gobert, seven feet tall, got six rebounds in thirty four minutes. It might be Robert Covington. I, I get think he's six, six eight. Thirty four minutes against Robert Covington playing. Yeah, seven. no, it's bad. Like come it's on, bad. Come but on. as and, and Westbrook dunked all over him. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. God so, damn. So what's now going to be known as the Lost Podcast? Our our recent podcast, some of the things that we talked about was like <laughs> the, the Lost Podcast. <laughs> it's the like Lost the episode. <laughs> um, 
some of the things we talked about were the Jazz. We talked about John Beeline. Um, we don't have to get into that kind of stuff. It's old now. But with with the Rockets, one of the things that we mentioned is this experiment, the reason I don't think it's going to work is because it's relying an incredible amount on P.J. Tucker. In fact, it's gotten to the point where P.J. Tucker is the most important person on the team, and the team features two former MVPs. <laughs> So, they so fast. <laughs> so I'm not too worried about Gobert grabbing six rebounds. It's alarming, but it's like uh, I'm not hitting the panic button over it. I'm not saying to hit the panic button over it. It's just like Rudy Gobert last three games: six rebounds, eight rebounds, nine rebounds. I'm not asking Rudy Gobert to put up twenty and twenty like Andre Drummond or some shit. But like, we we need something more than that. Yeah, I mean, so so with the Jazz. Basically, they're going to play one of these teams in the first round. OKC, Houston, LA, so the Clippers, or Denver. They're losing all of those. I'm sorry. I'm not picking them against any one of those teams. And that's just kind of the issue with them right now. They, Chris, they, they, they talent. Up. What's that? I said Chris Paul is about to sun Conley. Oh, yeah. Especially after the old, like, uh, all, all the times the Clippers play the Grizzlies in the playoffs. Yeah, that's a fun series, actually. For sure, for sure. Anyway, I'm not too high on the on the Jazz. There's a lot to worry. I think Quinn Snyder's got to get him in order. But more realistically, they need to start thinking about the future because all these guys are still under contract and they need to figure out where they go in the years coming, not just this year. All right. Thank you guys for listening to this week's episode of The Scorer's Table. If you're new, subscribe, leave a five-star rating, review. We appreciate it all. And, uh, and yeah, Julian, you got anything else to add? Hey, appreciate you guys. Thank you for tuning in. All that stuff. You can follow me on Instagram at WaviestOut. Will at Will uh, underscore Robbins21. We are here. (laughs) Thank you guys for another episode. You know what I'm saying? Coming with the content on the regular. You know the vibes, man. I'm about to watch. I might watch some Better Call Saul. You know, got to get prepared for the new season. Just came out. I don't have an AMC subscription, so I got to find that on Put Lockers. You know what I'm saying? Probably got some fucking porno ads that I give my computer a virus, but you know At what? FBI. I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> anyway, thank you guys. We're gonna see. We're, we're gonna, you're gonna hear from us next week. All right, see you guys.